and how you develop specific knowledge, the root of it is your own personal curiosity. And if you follow that, it lands on his most famous saying of like, what would you do if money were no object? Because if truly money were no object, you would do what creates the maximum amount of curiosity and joy in your life. Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So, jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Ah, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the New Wave Podcast. Daniel DiPiazza checking in with you here. So happy to have you. And today we have my friend Armand Asadi on the show who, man, he is just my, uh, he's my friend. He's my bro. Uh, we've had uh, some really incredible conversations together over the last few years. And I thought it was time to catch up on our conversations and, uh, and update each other on what's going on with us since everything has been changing so much over the past couple of years. And I, I don't think I've gotten a chance to see him in person since the whole pandemic started, but it was great to see his face and catch up with him. And, uh, and, and we really got to go deep into the meaning of purpose and why we're doing what we're doing. And, and I personally remember that this was a great episode for me to reflect on uh, me doing things my way, doing things my own way. That for me is a big part of the new wave. It's you being able to uh, make a living and also you being able to be happy doing what it is that's, that's important to you, that's meaningful to you, rather than trying to compare yourself to others, rather than trying to uh, fit in with whatever you thought your parents wanted for you. The new wave is your wave. So that's what I want you to focus on. And, and you know, while you're at it, we have so much of the material that we're putting up to help you really start to live into whatever your version is of the future in business and in life. Check out newwaveentrepreneur.com for more updates on everything we have going on uh, on the show, including uh, the dinners that we're hosting, the dinner experiences that we're hosting, including the uh, including the uh, the Discord channel, which is what we're continuing to grow out. And by the way, I love Discord because it really helps to get that real-time feeling going of of conversation rather than just going back and forth in the comments uh, and on IG or even in the blog. Really having that real-time connection, I love. And I like being off the Facebook platform as well. So you can go to newwaveentrepreneur.com to get link get a link to our Discord channel and you can get a link to everything that we're doing uh, within the community. So subscribe wherever you're listening to this on, Spotify, iTunes, leave a comment. We really appreciate you. And let's jump into today's episode. like getting a sniper rifle bang got one bro i'm here for you anytime <laughs> i got a busy one today folks uh you know i i i i snipered him from how many miles away in in portland oregon all the way down to san diego mm -hmm. man you, you travel a lot too i was uh, i was jealous of you traveling last year i was like fuck all around europe so yeah off you. some people got mad at me for that because <laughs> you're so traveling because your social media is so good. Your stories are so good. You're like, oh, just another cathedral. Oh, just walking <laughs> around Amsterdam. Oh, look, we bought some stuff. Here's my family. So much fun. 
Fuck, man. I was inside that whole period. my family. Yeah. I was inside that whole period being like, fuck, Armand. And the hair was good in every photo. Pretty spread. (laughs) 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 I can thank my dad, my parents for that. Yeah. Every photo that was good. Shout out to the parents. Yeah, man. Yep. No, it was Um, really good. And what is on your, have you already traveled internationally this year? Good question. Have I? um, Shit. I'm, I have a, I'm, I got to work on my like memory a little more. Uh, I need to play a little more Duel and Back. I don't know if you've heard of that that game, <laughs> Duel and Back. But uh, have I traveled internationally? No, I don't think so. But I have a big one coming up. I'm going to going? Egypt and Greece. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. with my wife. Fuck. So uh, f- right around my birthday. Right around our birthday. <laughs> so that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I have to say. Um, e- so have you been to either? No. Okay. Well, Greece, uh, I lived in, so I have a lot of good things to say. We can talk oh, about that. Oh, shit. I, I'm, yeah, I love Greece. Egypt was a little scary to me, though. Yeah? I, I, from, I guess I... Actually, I blend, you blend into me, and you be, we'll be perfect. We're perfect in that yeah. area. In that area of the world, it's, a, it's <laughs> yeah. actually perfectly fine. The problem yeah. was, with, was with, I was with so many Americans that mm. it was obvious that I was American, and it didn't look good for me. Now, Egypt was a place where I saw the most automatic weapons in one place out in public. Ooh. I don't uh, like that. I'm sure it's fine, though. I'm sure it's fine. Because yeah. Egypt, uh, my experience of Egypt was we went on a, a tour after getting off on a cruise. And uh, they took us um, to the pyramids in Giza. But to get us on these buses, and this is, you know, 2009. To get us on right. these buses, they would load us in and then they would shuttle us with armored jeeps uh, flanking the bus. Because there are tourist abductions and even at the pyramids, there's like often pretty sketchy shit that happens because yeah. uh, there's so many people coming in from all over and there's, it's just an interesting area. So I, I think I it's fine. I've, I've heard the same about. thing from others. Um, did you go directly in and out or did you see, did you see around a little bit different parts of Egypt? Uh, I went in and out to, to Giza and we saw a bit of the Nile, but, but that was just because of the timing that we were there. I would have liked to say more. Again, I, I think it was more just like, the, those groups are really attracted, or those people are really attracted to the groups of tourists. And if you're totally right in that area, like I feel like if you can just be low key about it, it's okay. Absolutely. There's one thing that I personally want to do. I mean, Erica wants to see, like, she's a history like nerd, and I think she lived like a past life, like in Egypt. So she has this this whole thing about wanting to go to Egypt, and she's, she's always had it. Yeah, yeah, and she's just might have been Cleopatra. Who knows? But. Like my thing with it, there's this um, there's this travel blogger that I started following last year during the pandemic, Lost LeBlanc, and uh, it seems like a cool cat, and he's got some like uh, really high quality videos. He has one specific episode where he goes into Egypt, he goes into the White Desert, and he like basically hangs out there for three days in the middle of the desert. Which that I was like, I want to do that. What's in What's in the White Desert? I mean, honestly, it just looked beautiful. But what I got out of it was he got to basically spend three nights as like a, a Bedouin, you know, just like nomad out there. It was organized, you know, gets in a Jeep. They bring everything. Him and his girl just stayed out there in the middle of the desert, built a camp, fire, sang songs, made music, ate food. I was like, that's my kind of travel. Like, that's what I like to do. It's an experience oh, yeah. me, that I would never forget. So that's me that's too. what I want to create is something like that. In Egypt, and then yeah, I would say if, go to yeah. Greece and get all your recommendations and do all the good. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, I, I, that whole area of the world, I think, also in terms of past lives, I must have 
been fr- from there. I, I just love, uh, I love the Middle East. I love the Mediterranean, uh, that whole area, like Northern Africa. I just love that area. It's kind of a, it can be different parts of it. Or it can be sketch. Other parts of it are mm-hmm. super beautiful. Other parts, and it's various shades of olive to brown to basically black. Yeah. But um, the food, I think, is the best in that area. I think the people are the most beautiful, both men and women. Uh, I think the culture is like, it's like literally the cradle of humanity. Uh, yeah. pff, there's nothing I don't like about that that part of the world. I mean, uh, except the obvious con- consistent chaos. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Like, I, I would love to go to like Syria or Iraq. Yeah, man. You know, but but I, I'm not going Just to can't. right now. I went to, I went to Palestine and that was scary, you know. I've heard. You know. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I would, I would love to go there. I would love to go to Lebanon. That's where I nah, really nah, want to go. Yeah, I wouldn't go there now. I, yeah, yeah, but Beirut, I hear, is like a party capital, actually. Dude, totally. And I mean, yeah. just, just the food, man. The food, oh, just for the food yeah. alone. I know, I know, you went to Turkey as well. <laughs> oh, that was one of my favorite places. That in the same world, area. Man. Yeah, know? yeah. The Ottoman area, the Ottoman Empire. Totally. To- uh, Turkey blew me away. Yeah. Truly what, blew what was me cool away. about yeah. Turkey? Everything you just said is encapsulated in Turkey plus uh, modern hospitality. I mean, the hospitality was just through the roof. I think it's the closest thing that I could ever get to Iran, you know, Persian culture. I'm, I'm Persian and I can't go there and it's a sad situation. And so sad. the closest, closest culture to that is Turkish culture. Most similar food, most similar people, most similar language. And so for me, uh, it, most it, similar it language. had that. Yeah, I mean, the closest you can get, I mean, Turkish is closer to Persian and Farsi than it is to Arabic. Really? I mean, way, way, yeah, in my opinion, yeah. Turkish like my is dad's closer side, to Farsi than Arabic is to Farsi? You have a ton of spe- people in Iran speaking Turkish. You don't have anybody speaking Arabic. Really? Yeah. That's yeah, surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I believe it if you say it. That's surprising. Yeah, though. Arab culture and Persian culture are very, very different, but per- Persian and Turkish culture are, are, are just much more similar. Huh. Yeah. Well, Turkey has um, Turkey has been on my on my list, and I've gone through there a lot. I know that in Greece, in that area of the world, the Turks and the Greeks they don't they're not too into each other. Right. They don't like each other, right? You know? Just right. like it's like a blood feud. It's like a you know a thousand year blood feud. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which, for sure. That area of the world, I think, is crazy. The blood feuds that they have in that area of the world. There's been genocide. There's been a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Just just the what they hold on to. You know, mm-hmm. we have that similar in the U.S. with slavery. But what they have, their own version of it, it's not slavery, but their their generational blood feud is all just the chaos in that area, the different claims to land, the religious stuff. You know, we don't have that in America because, you know, it's just it's just a much newer, fresher land, you know, but way too um, new. Yeah, this at is, least uh, for civilization, probably pre pre biblical stuff out there, man, goes back, uh, <sighs> goes back a long time. And they each have their story. Humans have their story. And you know, like without tribes, we wouldn't create culture. We wouldn't create these beautiful civilizations that we have. But with culture and with those tribes, we we create conflict. And it's an unfortunate yeah. double-edged sword, you know. Have you ever done any uh have you ever done any, any research or any learning into the Native Americans? I'm not a Native American buff. No, I, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I just as much as I've come across it casually, but I've never done a deep dive. I think it would behoove you to do a deep dive into Native Americans because this culture is awesome. Um, I have always told myself, you know, like I love being black and I love that culture. I love that life. But at the same time, if I come back and reincarnate, I'd reincarnate as a Native American. One, you don't see that many of them. But well, and let, 
really, I feel like Mexicans are basically Native Americans just because they are indigenous to this land, just southern United States, basically. Anyway, mm-hmm. but when we're talking about like Native Americans, like the Plains tribes, the the Sioux, the Iroquois, this type of stuff, all, all more up north, mm-hmm. man, these cultures are so fascinating. They have advanced uh, religious beliefs. They have like whole philosophies. Uh, they're obviously pre-industrial, pre-farming, but they had, you know, like working communities that were doing advanced advanced uh things and also j- just their um i feel like their uh their their culture is so much tied to nature and i'm really i'm really attracted mm. to that i'm really attracted I was going to ask you land. that those exact words i literally yeah. was going to ask are you attracted to that to that aspect of them the, that the i think is the most land nature the spirituality aspect of it. It's beautiful, man. It's beautiful mm-hmm. because it, it's mm-hmm. uh, its just something that I think we don't often um, appreciate enough we're in this world. I mean, I'm looking outside right now. I see all these trees. That's one of the reasons we moved to Oregon, to be closer to nature. Mm. You know? It's important. And how's that going? <laughs> you, you seem better out there. I'm better. Life seems better out there. Life's better. Life's better. I mean, you know, you're in California and, you know. That's why you probably travel <laughs> to get out of California yeah, sometimes. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I feel really lucky with San Diego. Um, I do like San Diego. I, I, I do feel like it's a special place that's been able to inoculate itself from most of the California bullshit, but it's not bulletproof. And if things really go south in California, as they seem to be, uh, it's 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 not going to withstand that. But LA's a shithole. And I would never, I almost forced my wife, like, I was like, we have to live in LA. We have to live in LA. I'm I'm glad I didn't do it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. LA, um, it's, it's not where I want to be anymore. And I think that even if it wasn't for pandemic, I think just generally speaking, sometimes it's like places, the energy changes for you. It's like you go into a, um, a bar the first day in a new town. It's beautiful. There are bands playing. You love the lights. People are beautiful. People are looking good. You know, it's all clean and nice. And then, you know, a couple of years later, you go to the same bar, you see a roach scurrying across the counter. You see the, the crusty fries in the corner. It doesn't <laughs> smell as nice. You're like, it's the same bar, but I've changed, I you know? know? Yeah, yeah. That's, I've uh, sucked the energy out of this place. That's, <laughs> that's how I thought about LA. <laughs> totally. Like the places I used to go in college. Oh, my God. If oh, I go there now. Yeah, it totally. Just... It's, it's almost like, but that's because you were a different person. Your brain totally. was, it's a physically different brain. Uh well, this is so. This is something I've been interested in because I'll put this. I'll put this in the show notes. You've obviously had a your career has spanned many different types of um, disciplines. You know, obviously you have experience in copywriting and, and marketing, but that's just one element of your um, your total skill set. Now you're really working on things in Web three. What's what's interesting you right now? What do you want to talk about? Oh man, I'm I'm interested in so many things right now. Um, and I think that's like, that's such an interesting, that, that's the crux of it, right? Uh, one of the challenges I see in society today is that we have this desire to, to properly label ourselves because yeah. oh, when yeah. you can put language to who you are, not only do you affirm and communicate to yourself an identity, but you're able to communicate that to other people. And if other people can simply say, Armand's a lawyer, or, you know, Daniel's a biologist, it's just easier. So being the nonconformist that I am, the challenge I have with that is that it's very static. And I don't like static things because static things are in opposition to the nature of life. 
we're not static. And I'm so much more than an entrepreneur, a copywriter, a Web3 advocate guy, a a builder, a thinker, a philosopher. I mean, it's fucking, yeah, it's, totally it's, it's annoying to try to encapsulate that. And again, I'm not like shunning the idea of putting some sort of label on yourself in order to just simplify the, <laughs> the conversation and give a starting point to who you are. It's important. But, you know, one of my like heroes, um, Alan Watts said this as well, where that, that really resonated with me. You know, he said that you cannot describe the present by the past. And when people try to, you know, talk about the historical context of who they are in order to describe who they are today, it doesn't work. You must begin with the present. You must begin with what is true in that moment, right here, right now. So that's a roundabout fucking way of answering your question and I haven't even answered it. And the answer really for me right now is that I'm a person who has committed my life to growth in so many ways. Like growth has been a theme for so long, but I actually feel like I stopped growing the last couple of years. Like, don't get me wrong, my knowledge is more, has expanded so much. Things that I can point to, like I didn't know anything about crypto three years ago compared to what yeah, I know today. Same. So my knowledge has expanded, but my growth has not. And I thought about this really recently, actually last night. And I think the reason for that is that I lacked the the exposure to other people in physical form, like getting together with people in groups, traveling, you know, like you mentioned at the beginning, like you saw me traveling, going around the world. Dude, I have to do that. I don't do that for any reason other than to not wither and He'll die. go crazy. I will go crazy. I will go crazy. And like at one point during the beginning of the pandemic, the first country to open up was French Polynesia. I went straight there. Like I had to. <laughs> I just did. I was dying. It was like three months at home. Three months. Everyone else stayed home for like a year. I was like, nah, three months. I'm Where are you going? Tahiti. Nice. Why? It's the yeah. place open. <laughs> that was literally it. There was like three other people there. You went to French Polynesia? Yeah. Yeah. I went to Morea. You were scrolling on. You were, you were looking on. You were, you were refreshing Google every five totally. minutes to see what country was open. That's exactly right. Booking a flight. I had three different sources open that were showing like updated <laughs> restrictions and what you needed you're to do. Not, and I had to go through so not, much to do it. Man. I love it. I had it. to go through so much. I love it. You're not. I that's that's who I am. Yeah. That's who I am. And uh, and that's that's one way I grow is that exposure in, in, in real life, that wanderlust, that experience, that travel gives me that that sense of I'm alive. Like I'm alive. Oh, my God. But the other thing that does is like being surrounded by people that challenge me and in groups. And like, I just think being away from conferences and events as an extrovert was really, really, really hard for me. And I just recently joined EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, oh, nice. yeah, how's like that? last week. Uh, great. I did my like initial training yesterday and I'm pumped. Like, I feel like I'm in the right place at this stage of life. I need this like level up right now. So I'm, I'm really pumped. Uh, I, I feel like I'm surrounded by, I'm, I'm, you know, there's plenty of people more experienced and knowledgeable than me. I was the youngest guy in the room yesterday. I couldn't believe it. That, that, that's good though. You want to be around people with some wisdom and experience. What, so this, this is interesting because I've had this conversation with myself in the car on the way home. 
Even with Sarah, I, w- I was talking to her. I said, you know, I want to get more involved in Portland, the city of Portland, you know, and be involved with the things going on here, whether it's an entre- entrepreneurship community or not, but just be involved with people in the physical space. And one of the ideas I had um, was, I mean, this is like, I'm just fleshing this out now, but yeah, what if, what if I opened up some sort of like storefront retail location uh, or it could be a, it could be an office location, but somewhere in a, in a community area of Portland, not like at a WeWork. We could do that, but mm-hmm. somewhere in downtown, you can rent spaces. And now after COVID, I'm sure it's cheap, man. I'm sure it's not expensive oh, yeah. to rent a space downtown Portland in a cool area and just do like, like new wave HQ and like do web three, uh, like workshops, do trainings, film videos there just to have a base in the city, you know, and be like, we're here, we're in Portland. I think that would be cool. No one's doing that. I think it'd be super cool. And there's a deep need for it right now for a lot of people. So community is a highly desirable thing in, in every way. And I think I've, it is. I've been seeing that across. You can see that virtually with Discord. And like, it's so funny. I posted the other like week, a week or two ago, you know, hey guys, like um, if you have any interest in joining my Alfalfa Discord, just just let me know. It's not up yet, but let me know. Dude, it was so funny. Like not only did I get inundated with way more requests than I thought I would, but they kept following up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was like, I got you. I got oh my you. God, I got your Discord. name. I got you. And they were like, "What is it up? Is it ready?" And they would follow up. People would follow up the next day, two days later, three days later. And I thought about that. I was like, "What is going on?" There's a million Discord groups that you can join right now. Why do you care about this one? Well, one is I think there was an aspect of like exclusivity, FOMO. Oh, it's I want to get into this one. But the other aspect is that I think people crave. That ability for someone like you, someone like me to curate the group because they know that they'll get more people like that. And when somebody can cultivate that for them, that's really exciting. It takes all the work out of it. And people want that. So you should do something. Dude, you're blowing (laughs) my mind right now. I have so many things to say about this. Uh, This is what someone who's listening can take away from this because I learned this for myself recently. I in the past have been down on myself because I'm like I'm not as good of a CEO as other of my as my friends, even though I'm pretty good. Uh, but I I know that there's a gap between me and people who I could call a second away, you know. And I thought, what is the difference? What it's not intelligence, it's not uh, it's not resourcefulness really. And what I found for myself is that I am much better at the center of a community than a head of a company. I can do both. But I think where my natural skill set resides is in cultivating and generating a community. And but I don't think I'm uniquely special in that. Neither are you. I think someone listening to this, if they, if you're feeling like entrepreneurship is interesting to me, but I don't want to head up a company, maybe you need to be in the heart of a community. And they're both ways of monetizing something, okay, mm-hmm. and also creating value and also bringing people together. But you, maybe if you never thought of yourself as a top-down entrepreneur, maybe you're a center-out entrepreneur. Dude, that's brilliant. And I couldn't agree with you more because, first of all, I I think it's a personality thing as well. Like, not everyone yeah, is well-suited for, you know, that type of executive leadership. Like Nathan, for leadership. instance. Nathan, a founder. He's a beast. The way he does founder, I'm like, I couldn't do that the way you're doing it because my brain doesn't work like that, bro. Yeah. The way his brain – like, just you, – you've talked to him. You know how he Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm more like up here and doing this stuff and like doing 
mushrooms and like choking people. And he's like, bro, <laughs> I'm doing found them magazine. <laughs> you know, that's what he's doing. And it's you crazy, know, bro. It's crazy. He, he, I always brag about him because he told me years ago, Same. Like, once, once I stop, bro, I never stop. <laughs> he started with these, with these webinars like seven years yeah. ago. This motherfucker hasn't stopped doing webinars every week. I know, I know, and I'm like, you win, you he's win. He's a weapon. He's a weapon, bro. I didn't, I didn't even know that word until he said it. He's yeah. a weapon, massive weapon. Yeah, shout out to so Nathan. Like, Found, Founder is an incredible resource, which I'm sure you've mentioned many times it's as incredible. well from your course and work with them. But yeah, uh, we're founders. The difference is though, and, like you know, yeah, in yeah. In, in personalities of, I, I, it is, know. and uh, I want to, I want to mention something. You, you reminded me of something with the previous comment. So around this idea of like community building and people listening and how they might approach entrepreneurship. So I fundamentally agree with that idea. And when you look at it from a Web three perspective, the need for the traditional CEO slash entrepreneur is fading away. You know, you have this idea of the DAOs and yeah. yes, exactly. And even these idea of DAOs, the idea of centralization as a whole, I'm not saying that that's like the answer and that's the only way to build something. Cause I think DAOs have many flaws to them when it comes to building great products. We don't have to unpack that at this We're early days with that. So it's not yeah. really even irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, without, without diving into that, the, the point being that there is this beautiful aspect to decentralized organizations where if you are the type of person who naturally builds community or can at least attempt to go more in that direction and that's more well-suited for you versus building a traditional Web2 LLC type company, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go through legal formation. You don't have to do all the traditional stuff you used to do with building a company. All you got to do is launch that Discord or that Instagram or that TikTok and get going. And once you build that community, the leverage that you have, it, it, it's remarkable. Like now, now the world is your oyster. Do you want to launch an NFT? Do you want to turn your group into an NFT um, like subscription model where, you know, like one of the, one, do you want to build a software now with the community that you built? A great example of a software is NFT HUD. NFT HUD is like this uh, intelligence tool and statistical t analysis tool for buying and selling NFTs. It gives you more information than you would be able to access organically by just looking at listings on OpenSea. So it's a SaaS model, Web3, to buy access to it. You don't pay $20 yeah. a month. You buy a lifetime access NFT. The only way that's possible is if you had already pre-built that community you established that this is something they want and you built the thing for them that they want and then you pre-sell just like you should when you're doing an MVP strategy or building any sort of software product. And next thing you know, you're in fucking business, baby. And you have a community of people to run it with you, for you even. Yeah. And and maybe they earn you know, tokens, equity. Maybe it's a guild of some kind. Like there's just so many ways to go about this and fuck, it's revolutionary, man. Like the old way is, is, is really, really dying quickly. I think they'll coexist with each other for as long as they can, because there's power in the top-down model and people like power. There's power, there's power in both models. It's just, it's just a different type of power. And perhaps the decentralized model of starting a community that all has some sort of ownership 
will overtake the more centralized model because it, it eventually will uh, exceed what the centralized model can do in terms of innovation. Centralization oftentimes can can reduce innovation sometimes because there are fewer people contributing and a more, you know, think about Facebook, for instance, and their growth uh, in comparison to like a Web3 technology. Think about how, how many channels they have to go through to approve something, whereas other things grow so much more quickly. So we totally agree. You know, like a simple example that I, I sometimes give is like a DAO will never build the next iPhone. A DAO wouldn't no. build an iPhone. Like that's that just not the possible. The it's not the purpose exactly. So, but it can yeah, move I agree. Than an Apple could. They'll coexist, and there will be a hybrid. And Uniswap's a good example of that. You know, of a sort of uh, centralized entity that maintains a certain level of control, and in the areas where it's important to give governance and voting rights and make people feel like they are, are, are stakeholders, that's where the DAO component comes in. And I think that's a healthy model for sure. One thing I would point out too, because you know, uh, my course is Start Your Side Hustle on Founder, and I'm always thinking about it from this perspective. Whenever I hear about emerging business models, I do two things. One, I study the emerging business model. So in that case, that's Web3. So if you're listening to this, obviously you're listening to the new wave, you, you like Web3, that's great. So study that. But then realize that this emerging business model is creating a need right here in the now on Web 2 for people that want to service the people who are going into Web 3. So, for instance, I have a friend who's who runs a company that's doing branding for metaverse companies. Yes. And it's like it's the hybrid of it's what is needed with what's been tried and true. Branding is still a thing. But metaverse is new and there's only so many people doing that angle, that pitch, because now they have to go like they have to go into VR settings and like design VR sets. So they're designing like VR environments for people to do for companies to do launches in the metaverse. And they have to like make the, you know, the mansion and put the logos on it. And that's a whole new thing, even though it's still they get they hire designers on wherever they hire them on and they get people to do the you know, and then they pitch it. So the, the old and new, and that's how you look for money out there in the streets. Oh, man. And if you can build your, your portfolio up and uh, target a niche like that exactly. in the Web3 world with your, with your skills, like I feel like the sky, sky's the limit with stuff like that. It's funny yeah. you just said that because I like the next podcast that I'm solo one that I'm recording is on this topic. Like I really believe that people should step into this as quickly as possible because when you can get that foothold and build that persona and that character and that portfolio and that recognition or reputation, I should say, it's like, I think that the compound effect of getting it early as a side hustle person, as a freelancer, as anyone with any service offering in particular, if you can help these Web3 companies in any way, the way that is most authentic to you and natural to you, man, I just think it's it's like, Money is flying. That's because what I'm saying. People are spending an ETH too. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, that only cost me 0.2 ETH to do that. Okay, no problem. You know, it's like, here you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Well, and, and I often talk talk about, you know, having some sort of understanding of, uh, for instance, Solidity, which you can develop smart contracts on. And I am not good at it at all. I've just been doing some little games and things like that. But that is only, programming is only one way to make money with what's happening in the new wave. You know, you can be a supporter, a supportive element of this emerging technology in charge because you're one of the only ones in that space at that time. A lot mm-hmm. of the skills that you've learned from other things will be transferable to this. It's just that now you're positioning yourself a bit differently. And I think that, um, that yeah, there's, there's, 
there's something to be said about longevity in a game. Like, for instance, the people who were marketing experts when Facebook marketing was the number one thing, are they still marketing experts? And can <laughs> you keep can you keep developing yourself and be being a chameleon to the marketplace? You look at, for instance, like I know I'm going off on a tangent now, but you look at someone like Snoop Dogg, who's somehow been relevant for like 30 or 40, 30 years now. It's and amazing. he's been, he's had to change his sound and his game, but he's up there with Martha Stewart, folding towels with Martha Stewart and still on in the Super Bowl commercials and still gangbanging crip sets on national TV, but then mm-hmm. still going back and like doing a commercial in India. And so he's really, he hasn't, he didn't stay in his, uh, one box of like West Coast gangster rapper nineties and fade out with, a, with a two hits in the nineties. He continued right. to evolve, evolve himself. And you can see people, the examples that, of companies that didn't. Another example of this would be like, um, for instance, Jawbone. Remember when Jawbone was like the number one Bluetooth thing? Yeah. Um, and they had, they had, they had the first, they had the, um, like the headset innovation and they also had a, um, a, a wireless speaker, which was the mm-hmm. precursor to like those beats pills. And in both of those instances, they didn't continue to evolve the technology enough to stay competitive to right. even have a piece of the market. Now they're, where's Jawbone? You know, right? It's gone. Yeah, you're right. It was like a high end, badass. Really high end. Everyone was all over it. You know, with Snoop, he's such a good example of what I was talking about in the beginning around like not being static. Like the whole thing not you're static. talking about is about not being static. Like yeah. if you become pigeonholed by your own doing or the doing of the market, you're fucked. Like you cannot allow that to happen. You have to constantly be playing this game of like the concentric circles, like everyone's seen it, you know, like there's always some new concentric circles that are thrown up on Instagram, but it's usually something like, what is the world or the market? You know, what does the world need? What does the market need? What do you naturally do? You know, find that, find that space, find that gap. And like, you have to stay close to these trends because like Snoop is a great example of that, man. If he had stayed static, he wouldn't have an NFT right now or be involved in all no. this metaverse stuff. He would, like, he would no be way. on throwback episodes on VH1 if he had stayed yeah. the same. Now he's going <laughs> to probably be, he'll probably be a billionaire now. I mean, he's yeah. getting up there. He's getting close. He'll probably be, he probably will be. I mean, all his friends are becoming billionaires. Right. Uh, he probably will too. It's, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really interesting. And, um, and I think that like continuing to, to evolve yourself is so important. And I know that for me, I have recently really taken take to heart Naval Ravikant's idea of, I think he calls it like specific knowledge of mm-hmm. when, or specific skills. You know, when you do uh, unique and interesting projects over a period of years that culminate in one of a kind experiences, you can combine those things to create things that only you can do. And those are things that have such value that you get to price them. It's not like, oh, it's $15 an hour to work at the store and that's the way the cookie crumbles. It's like, well, you want me to put together an experience where we're going to do a fight camp and then we're going to do, uh, you know, tactical training and then we're going to do, you know, spiritual experience. And then you also want crypto in between that. Well, that's X price because I know right. how to do it. And you have the same Absolutely. stuff. I mean, you've, you've done e-commerce, you've done consulting, you've done, you know, you've done, you've run a business, you've worked in a business, you know, you have all these different experiences. And so your specific knowledge, you've created projects and launched them. You've had projects that fail, you know, all these specific experiences lend themselves to creating a skill set that is really unmatched. And that's just your job to find the right fit of people to collaborate with. Yeah. It, it, it honestly reminds me as well of <laughs> Mr. Watts again. Because a lot of the pursuit of that and how you develop specific knowledge, the root of it is your own personal curiosity. 
And if you follow that, it lands on his most famous saying of like, what would you do if money were no object? Because if truly money were no object, you would do what creates the maximum amount of curiosity and joy in your life. And if you continue to do that for years over and over and over again, you develop very specific knowledge that you can charge any fee you desire for. Now, how big will that market be? Well, TBD, but it'll be big enough. There's always enough like, you know, to Mr. Kevin Kelly now, the 1000 true fans principle, it'll be it'll be big enough that you should work toward developing 1000 true fans that the moment you drop that product or that idea or that offer that they'll jump on it. And if you can do that, you're set for the rest of your life. And man, I think that like how this will play out, like going into the Web3 world, it's going to be at scale. And so your ability to offer any product or service or experience, man, it's going to be remarkable. I mean, we're just at the beginning stages of like creating these virtual experiences too. Like the Zoom experience of the future is going to be absolutely nuts. And I'm not very big, by the way, on a lot of this um, metaverse stuff and VR stuff. I don't know if you are. Um, I I think we love that idea. Uh, and, And in execution, it's still has a long way to go. I personally don't want to put a headset on. I get sick. And I think there's like a too much of percentage of the population that just generally gets motion sickness and, and doesn't really want that. But but talking about overlays and AR and augmented reality, like that's very interesting to me. And the types of experiences we'll be able to create, I think those are the ones that'll, that'll scale first. We'll see. I think it's just levels of immersion, right? It's like mm-hmm. for a short period of time, VR is fine and can be fun. Uh, we're going to actually test doing this podcast in the metaverse in really? so i think we're one of the first uh to ever do this i haven't even announced this officially yet so if you're listening to this then you know uh but we are actually um hooking it up to the oculus headset and really able to to feed this through i'm working with uh uh legion network which is a metaverse company that has a whole suite of apps for this and we're going to test select guests in the metaverse we're creating a new wave studio virtually and we're going to be doing whole interviews from there. And then we're going to shoot the video of us hmm. like this, like we're talking now, yeah. but with the headset on and then be able to go into the footage looking at us in the metaverse as well. So you can see us IRL and in the metaverse and then use that <laughs> as our promotional content. Uh, yeah. See, this so. is where you can get really innovative with this stuff and uh-huh. test a lot of different things. And I think it's going to be really interesting. Maybe it sucks. Like, I don't know, but it could be fun. No, but that's that's the idea. Like, who knows? It could be incredible. And that that's actually the, you know... The point really that I'm driving at is like nobody knows it's very early with this stuff. So like how people react, we have to innovate. We have to pioneer it. I, I don't know. Nobody. We're really going to be able knows. to have guests in the studio too if they have an Oculus. And you can log in from your Ooh. phone too, but obviously you want to have the VR experience. So we're going to test this. But I mean, specific knowledge is like also looking at what's out there and not being afraid to fail at things because you're you're generating a series of experiences that creates that specific knowledge. I failed at tons of launches and tons of different stuff. It's not like, it's not going from success to success to success. It's just generating the experiences and then creating your own hypothesis around those, you know? Yeah, totally. So I, I am curious, dude, uh, not sorry to pivot a little bit, but I'm really yeah, curious where your mind's been at with crypto lately, like just given the state of the world and, <laughs> and uh, you know, this market <laughs> is like so fucking it's horrible. blah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I mean, everyone's kind of approaching it differently. I was curious where you're at with it. If you would have asked me in, in November, my answer would have been completely different. My I'm, my feeling is that uh, we're most likely in a bear market now. I, I don't see how we couldn't be. Um, 
And I think that one thing has become clear is how connected the crypto space is to the traditional markets. And they'll say, well, it will decouple eventually. Maybe it will, but right now it's not. And that is interesting. And I think that um, it's telling. I'm curious to see if we if this if we've already hit the bottom and are going to either stay here and go back up or if there's going to be more fluctuation because uncertainty continues. But I think overall in the long run I'm still very bullish. Um it would it would seem it would seem that progress is still going in that direction and you you can't hold back something that's already underway. So more vendors are accepting crypto, more companies are interested in the metaverse, more people are doing NFTs like we're already moving in that direction. So I think long-term bullish, but short-term, that's why another thing too is I don't consider myself a crypto expert or even a reporter on crypto. I'm an interested consumer that will talk about it and solicit opinions. So even on my on my feeds on, on my socials, I'm not doing crazy crypto market reports. I'll drop a little bit here and I'll say, you know, let's focus on the metaverse more now. Let's focus on this whole, all the technology as a whole because yeah. Web3 isn't just crypto. Right. Not at all. But what do you think? Oh, man. Uh, well, in terms of, uh, I mean, there's so many aspects to it, right? Um, in, in terms of where overall the market, the macro is at, maybe to start there, I think that the executive order that was just dropped by, by Biden was really interesting. I think there was a lot of fear that there was going to be just like very knee jerk restrictions and, um, that didn't happen. And so I think no. a lot of people are relieved by that, but I don't think that that means they should take their foot off the gas pedal. And the people that are most involved in the crypto community with regulation and working closely with the government to create an open door policy where we support each other and they have access to understanding how all this stuff works. And uh, part, of, part of the order stated that they are very interested in that and that they want to understand this essentially revolutionary technology and do deep research to see like how we should approach it as a country. And I think that's a really, really cool thing. There is, of course, also the typical political stuff. You know, let's see how this is used illicitly, criminally, um, and so on and so forth. But that's good. I mean, anybody that wants any level of safety or regulation in crypto, which should be most people, wants that as well. We just want it done right. We don't want it done in a way that's very blind or uh, done in a way that's uneducated. Because no one wants to get fucked in crypto. And there has to be a certain amount of regulation or a certain amount of, there has to be a certain amount of enforcement, right? Uh, at the end of the day, like, how far can we take it? You know, uh, where does the law stand when crime happens in the crypto space? I mean, some, some people are going to say, like, code is law, right? Like, how far can you take that? And I think that's up for debate and it'll continuously be up for debate. So from a macro level, that was a good thing it, it didn't it didn't hurt and so did you read have... did you read what he said about the cbdc's though mm -hmm. so so i made an announcement about this today which is we're recording this on a friday you might not listen to this on a friday you'll probably listen to this on a tuesday or a wednesday listener but on today's bulletin i talked about biden's update or biden's address and one of the things he addressed were our cbdc's which are central bank digital currencies and on that Friday wrap up on that bulletin, I kind of discussed what those are and what, what some of the potential pitfalls of those are. So a central bank digital currency is different than a digital dollar, which most dollars now are already digital. We already have a digital ledger of sorts, but a central bank digital currency is essentially a, almost like a, 
a crypto perversion. That's what Edward Snowden calls them, a crypto perversion. It's a, it's a government issued crypto that can be tracked. And the difference is that from my understanding, a true CBDC, we're not going to have a hundred percent ownership of the wallet or the actual token. It's going to be, for instance, uh, for instance, uh, the government will be able to easily enter the wallet. They'll be able to potentially control uh, how we use the funds. And one of the examples in uh, Snowden's counter argument to this, because Edward Snowden wrote a whole article about this and I referenced this. One of his counter arguments was that if the government wants to, to direct you to purchase uh, a certain brand of something or a certain, by a certain provider, they can block your funds by, they can block your funds from being applied to a certain type of purchase. And for people on government assistance or for people who uh, are are using the government wallets, it can create conflicts of interest and all different types of nefarious things and essentially be able to control consumer spending power and also really have no way to object to, to do your own taxes, really. <laughs> so these are just things that I mentioned. I don't know if you thought about those things. Yeah, a ton. It can get uh, very dystopian very quickly um mm-hmm. with cbdc's we kind of are at a point where we don't have much of a choice i'm actually glad to see that the government said we're let's move let's get going because uh as as many people might know you know or if they don't the digital yuan is quickly accelerating and uh we're yeah china's know, already doing it yeah there's there's fears that the digital yuan could become more ubiquitous or powerful and accessible than the dollar and there is constantly a debate on what the future of, you know, the reserve currency of the world looks like. A lot of people that are Bitcoin maxis want it to be Bitcoin. A lot of people think it could be the U.S., uh, you know, CBDC dollar or the digital yuan. And we'll see how all that plays out. I think it's it'll... not going to be the U.S. CBDC. Let me tell you right there. I mean, I could be wrong. <laughs> I, would bet, I would bet a lot of CBDCs that it yeah. is not... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I would love it for it to be um, a crypto of some kind. And when it That'd comes to, yeah, when it comes to sound money, uh, there's big debates uh, between Bitcoin and Ethereum. But if you ask me, I, I think when it comes to sound money, I mean, the new the new meme is like Ethereum is ultrasound money. Um, and it's just a lot of this stuff is meme culture and it's funny, but there's a lot of truth to it as well. So anyway, to zoom out a, a bit, you know, in the with the macro, there's obviously the war in Ukraine, the, the uh, Russians invading Ukraine, which is a huge deal. Um, there's the escalation possibilities of that expanding. Will there be some sort of peace deal or not? Who the hell knows? I, I, I think that as that all plays out with crypto, I think that Ethereum is incredibly undervalued right now. I don't know. And, and I think Bitcoin as well has probably like one, one of the things that we do at my company, Collective Shift, is we provide crypto education and investing research. That's literally what we do. We have a team of analysts and we publish everything from insights and uh, buy and sell alerts and a host of everything you need to get started and get educated, but also build your portfolio. We have our own portfolio. So designed to be Bitcoin over five years, and it is trending that way right now. We have an NFT portfolio, and we have like a trading short-term portfolio. So we put our money where our mouth is. We have a team of research analysts. And one of our guys is one of the best on-chain analysts in the world. His name is Checkmate. So I follow his research very closely. 
And um, you know, very closely when it comes to Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the Mac Daddy, regardless of how people individually feel. There's a reason it's number one still. And ultimately, like where we're at, according to you know on-chain analysis with Bitcoin, is that look, the sellers have sold. Like the people that were going to sell have sold. Everyone else is holding tight. Will there be another existential event that causes more people to offload Bitcoin and or Ethereum? I don't know. I think it would need to be really, really major. And in that case, even if it was, as we saw with the war, the war actually became bullish for crypto. Uh, the war, I mean, in and of itself, like both Russians and Ukrainians buying crypto was incredible to see happen. And so I, I just think there's a lot of reasons to be bullish and uh, i mean in long run like no question like for me ever i just wish uh, i had but much more term. cash to plow into it <laughs> because i see the prices i say I, I just can't buy anymore today i'm just that's it man yeah already, that's that's you know, most people's that's most people's challenge yeah. and uh, i'm holding right now like <laughs> yeah so the next thing that people typically do is that they take out a loan on their crypto they yeah. use leverage and yeah. uh yeah, I mean, I I, I strongly that. advise against that. Um, I think you have to be a professional, a professional to do that. In short, um, yes, I, 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 I have I a friend who is a professional and does it, and I say that sounds too much. It's too scary for me. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it really is. But you know, for people that become more sophisticated and dive in, and they start to understand the different levels of this, yeah. and they learn how to play in DeFi, there are risk mitigated ways of doing this where. I mean, for example, right now you can take a loan, you know, it might make more sense to take your crypto, take a, take, get some leverage. I mean, this is crazy. Like one of my DeFi nerd friends was like talking about this the other day. You can go buy some stonks, take a loan on your stonks, go back to, uh, some sort of DeFi protocol, uh, like anchor and do that all yeah. over again, buy yeah, some yeah. more. And you're earning like 15, 20% on that. And then you're your third or fourth layer in. And if there is a liquidation event of any kind, it would only affect that top layer. And so there's ways that you can get really sophisticated with this stuff. I know. Uh, but it requires uh, it requires basically full-time commitment. But there is massive opportunity. There's a bandwidth and an understanding that has to go with I, I see it. And I say, I see that this is possible, but I would need to devote time to this. Yeah, I can't just for sure because I, I would be stupid to follow it off of someone's tip unless I'm really going to look at it. Yeah. Start, but if you if you do do it, start small. You you can try some of these little flips, little defi. I mean, I, the most I do is stake right now. Uh, I'm just staking, and that feels comfortable. And I buy more. I think that's like the main thing. I think just buying the buying the big ones, not being too scared of the dips. I mean, I love to see Ethereum. It was at twenty five hundred and twenty nine hundred. I don't know what it is today. I'm looked. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I, kind of I, I totally agree. I think recently. I think you got to be all in. I mean, I run, you know, I run a company. Like I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. have that ability to do that. But look, at the end of the day, if you look at the research anyway, like over and over again, whether it's crypto research or stocks and stocks and you know stonks. brokers, uh, nobody beats. Like very rarely does a trader beat a holder, and so. All you right. got to do is have high conviction buys, buy as much of it that you feel comfortable as possible in the long run, yep. allow compounding to do its thing. Every time you sell and pay taxes and stop that compounding, you're really fucking yourself. So yeah. just buy what you believe in, not Doge. And I'm uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> little Shiba Inu, just, yeah. uh, just... you know, for fun to gamble. But really, look, at the end of the day, I believe that Ethereum is the most 
undervalued asset of all time, possibly the greatest trade of all time. I highly recommend people check out uh, an article called The Triple Having by Squish. Um, if you want to include that for people, I think it'd be yeah, awesome. Yeah, we'll put in the show notes. And uh, exactly. one of the great reads, if you really want to get a nice hard on uh, for Ooh, Ethereum and become become uh, a you know really really get a bullish take on this uh, at a time where there isn't a lot of hope for people <laughs> because of what's going on, it'll really get you going, and you'll find <laughs> some dollars because it's it's I love it. <laughs> Okay, we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I also believe that ETH is uh, highly undervalued or or undervalued only in that it, it, undervalued and it, it, it'll be worth a lot more later. I don't know if it's undervalued for now. I think 3,000, look, I look at an Amazon stock, for instance, and I say, yeah, you know, ETH is about as much as an Amazon share, but ETH has a lot more utility. So I guess maybe it is uh, undervalued in that way. But it's also, when you consider the fact that ETH has only been around since 2015, it's pretty amazing that it's worth that much so quickly when it took Amazon 30 years to get yeah. to this, about the same valuation, you know? That's so, right. and there's not, you can't do anything with Amazon stock, but look at it. Yeah. They're both forms of ownership, but one is possibly ultrasound money as well. And I think one is a form of ownership in the new internet, in the infrastructure of the entire new internet. I mean, look at NFTs, NFTs were an accident. NFTs were, you know, as Vitalik famously said, NFTs were the most unexpected thing that ever happened in crypto for him. <laughs> he never even saw it coming. Do you know how many things are going to be built on top of this infrastructure that nobody sees coming? This is an exponential technology. That's how it works. Like you have brilliant creative people building in the space. Anything is possible. And if you can own a sliver of that, fuck, man. I wonder how long I keep asking this question on the podcast. Maybe I shouldn't ask it. It's like manifesting it. But are is humanity going to live to see its ultimate form? Can we? Are we going to get to that point? Because we have so much potential, but we're just like killing ourselves, man. We're eating ourselves alive for so yeah. I, I think there is an incredible amount of of chaos and uh, and reasons to believe that. If you're asking me personally, or yeah, more just think? like. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Like, I think we'll definitely. You think we're gonna it. make it. Yeah, yeah. On Earth, wag me, baby. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> no, for sure. I hope I, we I do. Think, I think we're all gonna make it. I, I will. For Tom Billu's sake, he's gonna be two hundred fifty-five by himself. <laughs> I will be. I will be. <laughs> and an Dave Asprey forever, man. I, Dave Asprey's gonna be five hundred years old. And he's gonna be well here. Vitalik's gonna be three thousand. And <laughs> no, straight up, the that's Gandalf literally beard. straight, straight up, and um. It's funny. He he actually said, "A person born today has a fifty. He initially said fifty, but then he upped it to up to seventy-five. Fifty to seventy-five percent chance of living until they're three thousand. That's basically immortal. Like, what's the point of even putting a number on it? Where is he getting this information from? Uh, his fucking genius where, brain, where, man. Where, where is he getting this information? <laughs> that guy. That his, guy. His that sources. guy is on another level. Um, but he has some his. very interesting reasons to, to that he unpacks for for that number. And um, yeah, I mean, Sarah and I always joke. Sarah's like, I just want to go to like ninety. After that, I'm done. She's, she's yeah, like, what? I get, I get it. You just you keep doing the same thing over and over again. I get it. I get it. I, I want to live. I don't want to be immortal. I don't think anybody wants to be immortal. I think I don't anyone that be says old forever, yeah, you're old most of your life if you live that long, you know. Sure, but I think part of it is is that's going to also uh, reverse, and what that looks like as well, whether it's in this physical form or not, I, I have no idea, or whether we're able to actually 
modify genes to stop, you know, like our bodies and cells to stop aging is another thing to it. Like if Daniel could look like this for 300 years, would you, would you take it? Easily. You said 3000. I said 3000, but would you take it for 300? Oh, easily, easily. Okay. I mean, so. look, God bless him. I changed my great grandfather's diaper and that is not what I'm looking forward to. Right. That's not what I'm looking forward to going. Yeah. I've seen the end of that one and it's great that he's 99 but I'm not looking forward to being the recipient of that. I agree. So hopefully there's a better, I mean, he was in pretty good health too for that age, but it's like you're hundred years old. He needs help. Yep. Exactly. So, so what, yeah. What, what type of shape do you get there? And if I get, if I'm 150, but I'm like, feel 150. Eh. Yeah. I, <laughs> I already feel a hundred with jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I already feel 102 today. Totally. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone wants that, but I do believe we'll make it. Um, I think it's a fun thing to think about. It's like, I think a lot of it is derived from storytelling and a lot yeah. of it is true. Like you see a lot of signs, whether it's climate change or the nuclear threat. I mean, fuck, Russia has more nukes than we do. I mean, are you kidding me? Like that's, that's terrifying. So when you look at that stuff, it's not pleasant. And I actually was in a bad spot a couple of weeks ago about all this stuff. And I asked myself, what is my core belief though? Like regardless of what's going on, and it's I'm I'm very optimistic. I'm optimistic as well, you know. And I um, I, I well, I vacillate. I <laughs> I think I've done too many psychedelics. I just don't care anymore. I care. I definitely care. Let me not say I don't care. I do care. That's not that's not the case. But what I've what I, I've found is that I know it's all going to be okay in the end. That's what I mean. I do care, but I know that. We want to go back to Alan Watts and we can actually even, this is a nice, Alan Watts has an entire uh, um, riff on how chaos at the micro level is harmony at the macro level. And you see, you know, you see the human ant swirling around doing our thing, but then you zoom out and it's like a beautiful, uh, you know, flower under a tree. <laughs> so, so I try not to get too stressed out about the day-to-day -day stuff because we're all just trying in our own individual ways to do our best. And I, I can't have any direct impact over what's going on in Ukraine for sure. I can't. Right. I don't, you know, I see some of these, these banners that go up on different websites, donate to Ukraine. I'm like, I don't think that's the best way to make the world a better place for me at this point in time. I think it's better if I just focus on the people immediately around me and the community around me and do as much as I can for them and stay myself healthy. And if we're all doing that, seems like. That's the best way humanity can move forward. But that's but there can still be chaos and then and then harmony resulting from the chaos. Your your cells are killing themselves on a daily basis in order to make way for a harmonious balance of health. You know, you have tiny death to create bigger life. Um, but obviously stand with Ukraine, don't want to know anybody to get killed. That but that's like obviously. And and I'm sorry, I'm going off on a rant now. No, but the I am not because someone put in the comments. They're like, "You're obviously pro Russia." I said, "Pro Russia? What are? Come on, guys. Let's be honest. Anyone who's who's being aggressed upon, I'm on the side of the person being aggressed upon. I don't want anybody to get. I don't think anybody sympathizes with someone else uh, or, or doesn't empathize with someone else who's not getting hurt or who, who, who's getting hurt. Yeah, man, um, it goes without saying. It's like so ridiculous you know, that you have to even qualify that. Uh, did you see my Russia post? Which one? Did I posted. You, 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 I posted. You. I posted a Russian flag on Instagram, oh, and I God. wrote something. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. All truth, what is baby. What was the? Oh God! Well, all truth. 
I'll let you read it. It's very similar to yeah, what you're saying. I mean, it's it shouldn't be controversial in any way whatsoever. No. There's no controversy. I also here. think, you know, I think it will actually be a relatively short uh, skirmish because Russia can't afford a Vietnam. They can't afford uh, an Iraq. They don't have the money. In fact, I just read recently that Russia has a smaller GDP than Texas, <laughs> which is really Texas is really the is really the one, aren't they? They really yeah. could. <laughs> they really could take on the world. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't go to Texas. I thought we might end up in Texas. Yeah. No, no, man. You you, you got to understand. Like I similar to what you're saying at the beginning. I got to find my own way. I I think going into the space as entrepreneur. Um, I didn't realize it's kind of like being in a high school class and everyone has their like things that they're good at, classes that they do well at, classes that they don't. You have the jocks, you got the theater geeks, you got the dorks. I don't know, I'm making these classes up. Yeah. But in the entrepreneurship circle, I think that maybe seven plus years ago, I started off and I was thinking, okay, we're all playing the same game here. And in some ways, we all are playing the same game. It's the money game. It's the capitalism game. But we all also have our unique games too, where it's like, I can only do the things that I do best. Yes. I want to do the things that are uniquely me. And for a while, I had this impression that I had to like do like, cause you know, I worked with Ramit for instance and Ramit yes. was one of those guys who is uh, very, very good at like his way of doing things. And I would try to do things his way and I'm pretty good, but I'm not him. Right. And I, and I would try to do things like Nathan's way. Oh, well, Nathan would do it like this. So I'll do it like that. Or whoever I thought was also a peer who I looked up to or who I thought was good. But then I said, man, I got to do the things things the way I do them and find my own path. And that has been uh, healing for me because I'm like, man, I don't have to feel any type of uh, shame that I can't do things the way that other people do them. Or I don't have to feel like I'm not measuring up because the only measure, measuring stick is myself. And I find that with jujitsu as well. Like there are other people who are who can do different things that I can't do, but I also have my own game. I have my own things that I do. And you have your game too. So like maybe you're measuring yourself too much against people who you consider your peers in your class or people who you think are maybe above you or past you in your the thing that you want. But once you find your game, you don't have to worry so much about what they're doing. And if you just focus on you and focus on developing your unique experiences, your specific knowledge, just kind of like be in your own echo chamber for a while and not think about like, even, even with e-commerce, you know, like, even strength of seduction, it's like, oh my God, we went all the way up. And then it's like, oh my God, we went all the way down. And it's like, well, I, should I do better at e-commerce or what should I do? And it's just like, oh, just focus on what you are good at. Focus on your things and find that. And, but now I have the experience from it. I'm like, oh, well, I know what oh, it's yeah. like to make a few million on e-com. I know what that's like. I can tell you some things, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Go, going on a self-confidence rant for myself there. Well, that is probably the most common ailment that people face um, and i know anyone that heard that needed to hear that like that is that is the game of life in so many ways man it's like having the ability to realize that there is no game outside of your own game comparing and looking left and right it truly truly fucks you up um it's funny i haven't even watched the uh kanye um documentary yet like i i i guess i'm waiting for like at least 67 people to tell me i'm currently at like 66 <laughs> it's okay, so okay. many people uh no i just haven't good. i just haven't had time but i mean i already know this about kanye or any great artist any unique individual has never given a shit what other people are doing no they're carving their own path you have to be unconventional and even if you're not an unconventional person you just have to 
give yourself some love and be like, whatever I am is more than enough. This is what creates all this constant imposter syndrome. The root of imposter syndrome is like comparison. It's like, it's just such a, it's not useful in any way whatsoever. Well, one thing I want to say too about this, because I've been thinking about that a lot too. One, people perceive others who are successful as not dealing with or have dealt with imposter syndrome. Not true. Uh, And the second thing is, one thing that we don't consider when we're thinking about when we're, when we are comparing ourselves is we're comparing our endpoints, but we're not comparing our starting points. And everyone's life has completely different circumstances. We're not starting off as identical twins from the same womb at the same time. And I mean, I guess if you're in a siblings rivalry, that's something, that's a whole different thing. But like most of the people that you're comparing yourself to in a professional sense, for instance, you have to look at the circumstances of your life, your upbringing, your location, your age, your parents, your physical ailments, your mental, your mindset, your influences, like all those things affect the outcome. It's not a, a type of excuse for not being who you want to be, but you can't compare someone's path to yours because you're starting from completely different locuses of, of you know, control. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, what do people want anyway? They think it's going to make them, first of all, most people are not nearly as successful as we think. It's all just no. a show anyway. No, and as especially you know, nowadays. As you know, from working with certain, you know, just, just generally working with, with people that on paper are supposedly so successful and so on and so forth. And I've had many totally. of these experiences as well. Oh. You look behind the veil, it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? But totally. Um, so, oh, you yeah. know, it, your heroes, they're, they're not what you think. And the only reason you want what they have or the only reason you want to be a different kind of ceo or a different kind of entrepreneur or you different want to call, you want to you want to earn a different kind of car the only reason you want all those things is cuz you think it's going to make you feel differently yeah nothing is going to change how you feel nothing on the outside is going to change how you feel it never will so the game is always an inner game and it it's worth repeating all the time because that's the only game there is in my opinion do you ever notice that you go throughout your day and, and I, by the way, yes, I'm vibing with that. And do you, do you ever notice you go throughout your day and as you're like experiencing something, you're like experiencing mild dissatisfaction or you're like, you're, you're thinking about something that's coming today or tomorrow and you're thinking, oh, I'm not looking forward to that. Or you're just thinking about things that you're like, that are annoying you. And you're like thinking to yourself, oh, I wish this didn't have to happen. Or I wish I didn't have to do this or that. I, I, I experience that a lot. Like I'll be walking around and like critiquing things or judging things or like dreading things. And I just started saying to myself recently, because I I was getting annoyed by the voice that was talking. I'm like, why does it keep because it just keeps, you know, talking and I, I'm able I'm able to I'm able to have that separation between the voice and the self. And I started saying to myself in response, there's nothing to be upset about because you're creating your entire life. Whatever you're just whatever you don't like, whatever is annoying you, you can change that immediately. You can do whatever you want. Even with your day, like I look at my calendar sometimes and I'll be like, oh, I got it. It's a podcast. So I know it's not a big deal, but I'll be like, oh, I got three interviews. Fucking so Armand. It's be energy. You know, fucking Armand. You know, but I'm like, <laughs> you're, every, everything that we're doing with our lives, we're creating our day. All the puzzle pieces we're putting together. So if anything is annoying you, you are the catalyst for that change. Yeah. You are the catalyst. You are the number one linchpin in your life. And I think that sometimes we, so I, I, I go, I go through that process of reminding myself that a lot. I love that, man. That's super valuable. I I, I do as well, yes. And uh, I have like two characters. One on on the one end of the spectrum is like Larry David. And yeah, I, I, I have like so many. My wife is just like, oh my the God, cynical. you are so fucking Larry sometimes. 
And then on the other side of the spectrum is like this fucking meditative, you know, Buddhist Michael Singer, untethered soul, aware of all the thoughts at all times and never like reacts. So it's like, (laughs) well, that's life, like bouncing between just, oh, that stupid thing that just happened on the one hand and and like over over acknowledging it and over identifying with the thoughts looping like Larry, on it. you know just like that looping, and then over looping. here it's just like it's nothing it's just i'm 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 in bliss and so that's that's the game <laughs> it's playing the game but but yeah it's, it's like but th- we go throughout our whole lives and we think that we're living in the world but we're living in our world that's right the things are happening around us are happening inside of us and we're reacting to things. I mean, I'm walking outside, for instance, and we could be walking next to each other and having two completely different experiences. I'm walking and the dog finds a fucking rotten tuna fish sandwich on the ground and darts towards it to eat it. And now my anger level is going up. I'm like, you fucking eat that sandwich. It's going to come out either way and I'm going to have to clean it. So get away from the fucking sandwich. So I'm like, get away. And I'm like, I'm looking, I'm thinking, do I need to be this angry right now? I can, I'm responsible for this feeling. <laughs> Calm it down. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can feel the blood pressure rising. Totally, man. You know? Totally. Yeah. Our focus, <clears throat> the story we tell, creates our reality every day, every moment. Absolutely, man. <sighs> you fucking Web3. You Web3 sage. You, you are the Web3 sage, brother. Fucking, um, do you have a website now or you just operate in the cloud? <laughs> yeah, you have to think of me and I just yeah. show up. Uh, Say Armand, it three times in the mirror. No, nah, it's Armand.xyz. Oh, you, oh, so you got you got a nice Web three address. I I actually switched from ArmandAsadi.com to Armand.xyz. It's the same site. Yeah, I just got the domain. Had to had you're, to buy it. I wanted it. You have the only name that rivals mine in coolness. Di Piazza. Di Piazza. <laughs> um, yeah, much love, man. I I love talking to you. Uh, I Always. wish I could see you more in person. Let's yeah, do something man. this year. Absolutely. Thanks for doing Actually, this with me. It was a pleasure. Ah, my friends, I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode as much as I enjoyed making it for you. Armand is uh, he's a really smart, special guy to me, and hope that you got a sense of positivity and, and uh, encouragement and the urge to develop yourself as much as I do when I speak with him. So make sure you check out everything he has to offer. We'll put all the stuff in the show notes. And make sure you check out newwaveentrepreneur.com where we have all the most uh, recent updates on what we're working on, including the link to our Discord. Please make sure you join the Discord if you want to interact with me and everyone else in the community who is working on just you know developing our best selves. And that means with everything new is coming in tech, that means also you know understanding what's happening in the world and how we can, you know, Use some of it to our advantage and also protect ourselves and our families. All of it's going down in Discord. We're talking about it. And we know we talk about what's what I what I uh, reflect on in terms of the podcast and we give some feedback and commentary. I do crypto giveaways in there. It's just a lot of fun. So make sure you check out newwaveentrepreneur.com. Uh, then join our Discord and have fun with us in there. That's it, guys. The water is warm. The tide is rising. So let's jump on in and get ready to surf this new wave. Daniel 